Guys, welcome to the podcast. Before we get started, as ever, remember that all the information you're about to hear is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any illnesses or diseases. Please make sure to consult your healthcare practitioner before implementing any of the things we may discuss in this podcast. Speaking of education, if you're an exercise professional, coach or anyone working within the realms of health and fitness, when you're done listening here, make sure to head on over and check out our education portal at www themusclementors.co.uk if you like us and truly care about the well-being of your clients about getting access to the best and most up-to-date information in the areas of exercise mechanics hypertrophy sleep improving your online coaching services and much much more then be sure to join up you'll gain access to endless hours of content focused around everything you need to become a truly elite coach and get your clients in the best physical shape possible this is all in the form of video lectures weekly live education sessions and study groups you also get early access to our podcast and access to any exclusive Q&A segments we do with our guests. The content never stops on the portal. It's not a one-off course. It's an ever-evolving learning platform designed to give you the best information possible in this area. Head on over to our website and become part of our epic community, full to the brim of other professionals who, like yourself, are focused on providing the best health and physique-related results for their clients. Join us and them and gain the resources, support and accountability you need to become the elite of the health and fitness industry. For now, though, grab yourself a pen and paper and enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome back to the Muscle Mentors podcast. Myself and uh, Mr. Alex Gates will be uh, coming to you today. So we haven't got Cal and uh, it's um, a two-man show and a slightly different uh, second half. Um, so, um, so, yeah. Um, for those that don't know, Al is one of the uh, the other coaches at the Muscle Mentors, and um, I mean Al, I mean, introduce yourself, mate. Tell, tell the people what you're about. <laughs> you're going to sit back now for the next hour. I'm like, right, go. Yeah. Mate, it's good to be here. We were obviously joking before this. So I've been on board for almost a year now, and yeah. it's his first podcast podcast debut right here. Um, it's probably because you you what, shortly after you joined, we didn't keep up with the podcast so <laughs> no, no, it's back, I've got no, it's back. radio anyway so it's probably preferable um <laughs> <laughs> but mate it's, we haven't seen each other let's be honest for like a year have we this whole no, time with yeah, yeah. the room together been a bit of a bonkers year It'll be virtual. Um, but no so a little bit of background to me so um i'm the northern contingent of the muscle mentors i'm dotted around the country a little bit over the last few years but i originally from up north uh qualified as a pt kind of seven or eight years ago I spent my first few years doing kind of the typical thinking I know everything, not really knowing anything at all, learning to coach people, learning how to talk to people. I mean, I was, was, I was 18 when I first qualified. So I was kind of super young and super fresh into it. Um, started off coaching people outside, getting rained on up here, doing boot camps, that sort of approach. Um, then went into a, a private studio where it was kind of a little bit of management stuff, a little bit of work behind a desk, a little bit of personal training, which then built up to the point where it was about uh kind of full-time PT maybe 25 30 hours in the gym for every single week um which is also it was obviously the first experience of getting a little bit busier coaching but it kind of opens doors in terms of what I want to learn next um had heard about this place down south and this this company that had gyms around the world um which some of you guys will know called Ultimate Performance UP um so I was I was living up here at the time they had gyms in London they had gyms in Manchester um and I kind of had in my head that I wanted to go and work for them parted ways with the company up here basically moved my entire life down south. So I lived up here my whole life, moved my entire life about 200 miles to London, uh, moved down before I'd actually got the job. So I hadn't even interviewed for the job at this point, but moved down. Um, 
basically sat in my interviews. There were, at that stage, there were four steps to the interview. Uh, the third step, which I got to eventually, was um, sitting down and having a theory interview. So I sat down with two of the more senior guys um, in my suit, absolutely pooing myself. I think I, I remember I told you this. So I, um, I had to get the train and then get the tube to get there. It was about an hour. Um, and I almost had to bail because I almost threw up a couple of times on the train. I was that nervous. I was, mate, I was absolutely cacking myself. I was, I was terrified. These other people, no one sat next to me for the whole train journey. I was just sitting there sweating because it was summertime as well. Um, got there, obviously, I mean, to told them this is the only place I want to work. I'm not applied anywhere else. I've moved my life for this. Fortunately, because of that, I got the job. Um, it felt sorry for you. <laughs> I think basically, I was there <laughs> shaking like bright red, like, hi guys. This, uh, this skinny, gangly dude, which I still am to be fair. Skinny, gangly dude. Um, and then well, that's kind of when my career properly kind of kicked off and properly got started. Because um, I kind of dabbled a little bit, to be honest, in those first few years. I was kind of, oh, is this what I want to do? I was still young, I was kind of trying to find my path to a certain extent. Um, and then for the guys who don't know about it, you, you go there and you're a junior for your first year, you get properly thrown at the deep end, you're kind of forced to adapt to things, you're forced to learn things, forced to kind of conduct yourself in a certain way. And like I remember my first couple of weeks, I got told off for using the word mate in an email. I started an email putting, hi mate, and got told off immediately, got an email about being like, don't use this in an email again. Um, so for like a chirpy 22 year old kid from up north, that was a bit of, a, bit of an eye opener. Um, and yeah, I had my first junior year. And I think it was, so I started in October time. I think over that first year was kind of when I really started taking it a lot more seriously. So this is probably four or five years ago, kind of like literally was doing all the hours on the gym floor, was, was completely putting my life into this for the first time because you have to do that when you're down there. And that's one of the, the big attractions of being down there. Um, and actually I remember hearing, obviously Joe Bennett was on the podcast last week. I remember hearing him say that he traveled uh, and kind of held himself to traveling twice a year and do more education stuff and doing more courses. And I was like, right, I'm going to do the same thing. Like, I'm down here. I'm, I'm committed into this. I'm just going to completely throw myself at this and make this kind of the, the most important thing in my life, kind of just coaching and, and doing things myself. Um, I'd been coached by Carl, I think, for about six months. Around this point when I made that decision in my head, um, had just passed my first kind of junior year when I was like, right, I'm going to actually get this stuff started now. Um, first course I booked on was onto RTS. And I remember I got my check-in feedback from Carl one week and I said I was on the course the next week. And I was like, oh, I, I think Luke's on that. I think Lucy's doing it for about the fifth time. It was, that was the first time that we met, um, which then kind of opened the door a little bit, a little more into what you boys did. I remember, I don't think I've told you this, but I remember um, the two boys that I live with in London. So when, when we trained together. Yeah, on, Umar, was that with Umar and Dan? Yeah, so I, I joked with them. I think it was the second weekend we trained together. Yeah. We trained, there was a random session. I was like, mate, please tell me we can train together. And you're like, I've got a random top-up session, but you can jump in. It was like hamstrings, Hamstrings of doctors and arms. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, and I joked with Umar actually. I was like, "That's that was my job interview." I don't think I told you that. I was like, "I was like, right." I, I kind of from that environment I've been, in, I was like, "Right, I can keep up here. I hope I can keep up." Um, obviously, we absolutely obliterated each other yeah. <laughs> for this one-hour lunch break in this really quiet gym. Like you've got like fifth row women running on treadmills, and we're there screaming. Um, that was quite funny. And then we had to sit down in a room for about an hour afterwards, cramping up. That was, and, and that's good advice for anyone who participates in, I mean, really any kind of weekend long education event, but RTS hmm. or anything like that, where you've got to really apply your brain. Don't murder yourself <laughs> um, with, uh, with a ridiculous intensity of, of resistance training halfway through. Because what that was the Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah. And then we had the Sunday, obviously, the next day. We didn't yeah. train. Yeah, we were, <laughs> exactly. 
Saturday we, <laughs> we spent the last half of the day just like sitting down, like, unable to contribute at all. I was, I was done. So it was a bit. It was a, it was a mistake, but it was a good. But, good yeah, mistake. I mean, and we learned from that, and then did the exact same thing again the next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> did chest and back and killed ourselves again, um, and then had a year of kind of. As to throw myself into education a lot more. So obviously when I went on that course, that was a huge, huge eye-opener. I was like, I know what I'm doing. Like I've been at a really, really good gym for X amount of months. And I think it was just every year at that point. But suddenly my eyes were like, actually, this is the level that I don't know. Like, this is kind of the extent that I don't know about things. Um, did a few more courses, did um, a muscle nerd seminar where I met Ryan. So we had a few mandates for the three days of that. Um, so I turned up on completely on my bill for that. A bit like, right, am I going to know anyone here? He walked through the door and I was like, ah, oh, I know that face because he was on our artist course as well. Um, so I next him for three days. Like we had lunch together. I got to know each other a little bit better. Um, and then he got to a point where I was kind of like, right, time for a slight change again. Wanted to go about things in, from a coaching side of things in a slightly different way. So obviously from doing that side of things, from going deeper into things, I was like, actually, this is what I'm more passionate about. Um, yes, training is a huge part. Yes, dieting is a huge part, but... In my head, I was like, there's more to it that I can, I can influence with people or influence and help people with. Um, so it's like, right, actually, this is where I want to go down. End up leaving UP um, back in 2019. I think I'd spoken to you about working, you boys, spoken to Cal, <laughs> spoken to Ryan about it. I was like, boy, it's just, uh, just if you're wondering. Um, so, I had, uh, so that was back in 2019. Had a couple of months to kind of set my own stuff up. Um, as basically as a naive kid thinking, oh, if I leave this place with no social media backing and move to online, I can definitely get busy real quick because I know what I'm doing. Things super slowly built up, but I was like, right, this is now having to learn different bits. Um, and then came on board, obviously, with you boys just under a year ago now. Um, March time, start of lockdown. Um, and we've been obviously working together ever since. Um, yeah. So building an online coaching business, obviously adapting to everything that's been going on in the last 12 months. So different situations, learning how to do things differently for different people with lockdowns, kind of obviously learning the differences in communication, which Cal and I have spoken about on Instagram Live with being online rather than being in person. Um, and that brings us up to where we are today. So it's been a, a few different things have happened. I'm now back up north again now, which is <laughs> the most yeah. important bit. Um, you know, it's been an awesome few years. Yeah, and it's a, bit, it's a cool journey as well. I mean, when we think, because UP is, you know, it's a, it's a very impressive um, place to like work to, in terms of, you know, there's a lot of people that have come through UP and they're, you know, it, it has a, a reputation for making you know heavy hitters in the industry because you yeah. get put through it you know and you get so much experience going there because i mean how many hours a week were you uh pting at the peak of busyness there i mean probably quite a lot plus all the other things you have to do yeah. and, like, the learning situations you get I, I can't remember exactly how many hours it would have been but it was a period of time when me and Umar were working seven day weeks because we lived together um, and it was three of us working in the same place yeah. uh, living in the same place and we were all we'd all been at 6 a.m basically monday to saturday yeah. finished super late like we barely see each other but, like we'd get up in the morning we'd live the london life get an uber to work <laughs> and be like right proper ball is now going down part lane in our uber six o'clock in the morning <laughs> um but yeah and it's made that's what it was and it's interesting because a lot of people have asked since i've left like should i go there and, and would you go back and do it again and it's always a hundred percent yeah yeah like, for me i think every coach has to go through that situation we've all been through that on the team just yeah. in different places yeah, and I was very close to, I mean, I pretty much went mm. through the same process as you were and very close to working there and then eventually ended up, you know, choosing to work somewhere else instead. Yeah, um, yeah. But the but again, very similar experiences and, and mm. you get to meet the same people and, you know, that's the thing. Well, you know, when you move in those circles of 
the you know you and you start getting into the the realms of continued education particularly around the london area yeah pretty much everything you go on you'll see a up boy here or there or girl (laughs) and it's crazy as well because i'm not to sound arrogant but when you're in that situation you're so absorbed in it you almost don't realize how good you've got as a not to sound like a prick and be like Oh, mate. I don't mean to sound immodest, but I'm the best coach in the country. <laughs> I don't mean to sound like that, but you kind of, you go to like, I remember, so I'd, I'd be there in London, I'd come back home for say Christmas for a few days. I'd train in pure gym and I'd see kind of commercial gym trainers and obviously nothing against them. Just It's just a different environment. Um, and I'd kind of look at them and be like, like, what are you doing? Like, I'm not used to seeing what's going on here and kind of used to seeing like, like PT sitting on a bench, like, on the phone, like the class just kind of not really caring. Whereas if you did that in the environment that I was used to, like if you if you got spotted on your phone in a session, like you'd be running the risk of being fired, because mm. it's you, you you couldn't do that. Like you standards, right? Yeah, the standard you held yourself to was so much so much beyond that. But you kind of don't yeah. realise until you get put somewhere else. You're like, oh shit, yeah. like this isn't too bad. Yeah, and it's kind of like you know moving as part of a pack in terms of yeah, um, you know when you when you're in a group and you're all kind of moving in the same direction, there's a lot of momentum behind you, and you know you're all helping each other and you know giving each other sweet info whereas if you're if you're on your own it is harder to do that stuff which is then what you probably found when you kind of went away and then it's like oh yes not quite the same but (laughs) that doesn't mean like you know don't do that it means like Mm. you know places like up and and we can we can move on after this obviously it's just a big advert for up (laughs) yeah exactly yeah they can be amazing (laughs) um amazing you know those opportunities are amazing for kind of Mm. expediting your growth you know within the industry so you kind of get in you know the equivalent of probably years worth of experience in a in far less time um and it's what um, we preach isn't it it's not necessarily yeah. going to a certain place but it's putting yourself in those situations exactly. in that situation where you're shitting yourself for expert of time you've got imposter syndrome i remember talking to Dan Neymar about this you got imposter syndrome because like actually i don't feel like i'm good enough to be here but you just kind of ride that wave for as long as i see that as a positive thing and then suddenly when you come out the other end, like actually. Yeah. Quite, quite yeah. So there's, and it's like, again, you know, harking back to what Joe Bennett mentioned on the, the last episode, if, if you have those opportunities to go and put yourself in those situations where you can work for people and, you know, UP, Integra, you know, all these different places that have very high standards, um, yeah. you will do very, very well. Yeah. Um, Whereas if you go on courses sometimes, yeah, like going on a course and being like, actually, I am the, like, not dumbest person in the room because it's probably the wrong word, but I'm not the smartest person in this room. I go in there and be like, oh my God, everyone knows a lot more. Than me. Like he spoke about Poliquin, didn't he? Yeah. Um, he says like, this is kind of the coach that I want to emulate and I want to be. Yeah. But in that situation, it's the same thing. Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, seek out where you're weak and make that not the case. It's the, um, that's, the, that's one of the reasons like recently, a lot of you guys will probably know, other people listening will know Paul Standall. Only by control. He's actually going to be on the podcast next week. Um, but we, um, we, he, I'm doing loads of stuff where we're going through maths. Yeah, he's essentially teaching me maths um, because maths is a very weak area of mine. And when I, if I really want to understand exercise well and the physics of exercise, which is essentially what mechanics is, um, you know, it pays to understand that stuff, and it's bloody hard. <laughs> you know, there's quite, there's quite a lot of times where I'm like, oh my god, you know, and I'm like. You know, he but that stuff well. Hmm. Here's a wicked example because he kind of exposes us to that. What? Yeah. I think your boy's um, theory camp. He was yeah. on that when I was there in October 2019. Yeah. So he, first, and he did RTS after that. And look where he is now. Yeah. Like, when he's, he speaks yeah. about maths, I'm sitting there 
I'm like, it's like watching Rain Man. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's really it's, yeah, it's approach to mechanics. And that's where, you know, there's, I think there'll be a lot of people that agree or could kind of relate to this. And it's probably not the best thing to relate to if you can, is where you've done something like RTS once or, you know, or dipped your toe into exercise mechanics. But like, yeah, I get that. The moment I was just like, okay, I get it. I, you know, the, the that stuff takes a long time and and like a lot of experience and that's when you know it can take a long time in the scheme of things but you got to put the hours in pool and it's very similar to how i did it literally just like completely immersed himself in it um and i think over the last like it's only been like a year and a bit but the guy he's already more advanced than a lot of people that i know who've been studying this stuff for years because he's just looked in all these different avenues and looked at the physics side of things you know and it's um you know that's that's kind of the behavior that if you truly want to master something you got to put the hours in and he's put the hours in in a, in a lot shorter time frame than you know a lot of others that might do a bit here, bit here and there over the course of a few years he's just gone i'm all in and that was kind of how i went about it as well and it worked um because <laughs> um, you still get the you know it's what do we, you know what they say about what ten thousand hours to master master something mm-hmm. you know if you, you can yeah. do that pretty quickly depending on how you how you organize your time but um yeah. you know like that sort of approach you know the up approach throw yourself in the deep end and do it and you want to become sweet in a certain area and topic and like just throw yourself in it um yeah. Yeah. that stuff works um yeah pretty much easy <laughs> it takes discipline and commitment but if you can do it <laughs> you know if it comes back to if you're someone who you know whether in the business side of things you've kind of always stayed in your comfort zone you know when it's like those experiences that we just talked about from a learning perspective or a, or a work perspective you kind of pass them up because you're in a comfy place living you know it's like we used, you know cow brought up last week cow when he went to work at m10 was in like a very comfy position financially he was like the most successful guy in the gym and he literally gave it all up and went yeah. back to earning nothing and moved across the country um <laughs> and uh you right. know, basically had to accept that he's not going to earn much for a while and but it was the experience mm. that mattered and now he's absolutely killing it um mm. there's a trend there um <laughs> so there's a and it goes in any aspect you know whether it's education as well you might think mm. you might suck but if you just completely immerse yourself in it give it enough time and you'll be awesome and then it will kind of pay you back provided it's got to carry over to your your actual role as a coach you'll probably yeah. benefit quite a lot from it um so this was going to be a Q&A but we've we've what's that 20 minutes <laughs> but that's good it's cool. between that, us what it is. that was still hopefully that that little bit will still be valuable because there'll be a lot of people that maybe have passed up opportunities like that or they're wondering why it's taking them longer to get certain things you're like maybe you just need to just push yourself out of your comfort zone a bit more yeah. and opportunities um, might be coming up now with hopefully coming out of lockdown relatively soon People might have some decisions to make in terms of what they want to do. Amen. Could be a relevant time. Amen. Um, so questions. Um, we had we had a few. We so for the questions for this for the people that are listening who aren't members of the education portal, our education portal members got the chance to ask these questions. So if you want to submit questions for future Q and A's, you have to be a member of the education portal. Um, cheeky plug. <laughs> and, um, I think that's a PB. You waited twenty minutes until the person came in. <laughs> I mean, there will be that plug that goes at the beginning of the episode. So <laughs> um, the um, but no, I mean, qu- good question was, um, so what are your main 
protocols, principles for fat loss. And for the guy who asked this, Chris, I, I said, okay, just to clarify, is this in relation to strategies that we'd be implementing alongside the classic but boring calorie deficit approach? And he said, yes, I was, I was worried for a sec that he had thought we'd come up with a, another principle of fat loss that was like better than <laughs> you know new to the uh, calorie deficit one but assuming that's in place essentially what strategies would we implement as coaches to make that process a smoother one um yeah. it's, it's one of those ones it's not necessarily you're not going to reinvent the wheel obviously because no. you asked didn't you it's not like anytime you hear someone say that it's probably gonna be untrue it's oh mate keto go down that route you can eat whatever you want i believe that five years ago yeah. <laughs> but it's you can make i said you can make that kind of that that situation that process as easy as possible but you can also make it effective by looking at other things yeah like what like DM, actually, dmp trend i <laughs> <laughs> remember muscle nerds that came up on a slide side effects death uh, <laughs> <laughs> you won't go too deep into that <laughs> it looks uh, looks beautiful way to be fair though that is where a lot of people go and though you know they, you, mm. they go down the pharmacological pharmacological route like very quickly yeah. in terms of they're like oh how can i speed this up and you're like you know the ramifications of what you're doing. Like, do you actually understand what you're putting in your body there? And there'll be a lot of people that claim they do, and I probably bet they don't. Um, yeah, it's short-term um, thinking compared to long-term thinking, isn't it? So yeah, and we'll get to the actual strategy in a second, but it's probably a point <laughs> worth making when people go, you know, it's like you say, you say to someone, someone comes to you, and you, you, know, you may have had this, I know I've had this, and, and I've witnessed this happening where they go, I'm thinking about taking steroids. You know, what should I do? And you're like, you know, a never advise that. You know, it should be their choice, their, their health is their responsibility. You know, but you, you know, you'd have someone in that position. They go, well, you know, this could happen. Like a, a responsible person, if you, you know, would go, you know, you could have risk of this happening at you know, cardiovascular events, like dodgy, like lipid panels and cholesterol levels, and you know, all this stuff, and like the relationship between having a very high body mass and body mass index and like risk of mortality and all this stuff. Mm. And um, you know, you could go through all the all the cons and, and like there's a massive list, and then you go, but you get jacked, and they go, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the same thing, you know, and they go. <laughs> Yeah, you get people that go, I want to lose body fat. And someone goes, well, this, I've heard of this thing called DMP or CLEN or something, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, and admittedly, some of them have fairly good safety profiles, like some of this, but like in the case of like DMP, you know, it's like you could die and there's no cure and you don't know how much is in that thing really. And, you know, people react differently. There's an inter-individuality. You could literally pop one thing and cook and die. Yeah. But it's a calorie deficit in a pill and it will get you shredded. And they go, oh, sweet, where do I buy it? Yeah. Like, no, you're missing the point. Um, <laughs> there'll, there'll be people that, you know, who maybe ask questions like this, you know, I'm going into a fat loss phase, I'm in a calorie deficit, what more can I do? And they're meaning to like explore the pharmacological route. Mm. You know, be very careful if you go down that route. But for the people yeah. that are kind of thinking, what strategies from a you know health perspective can we do to kind of support because ultimately what i'm thinking here is we're supporting the body from a stress management perspective we're trying to manage that awesome nervous system balance so what mm. are the things we can implement there yeah and it's looking down that approach rather than just getting more aggressive and yeah. just getting worse because yeah. this is what people tend to look at is it's that whole push pull approach isn't it people are always very quick to push a little bit harder but they won't look at actually what they're doing away from that to manage that and support that as best they can. I had a, a call with someone this morning. We were talking about um, talking about food. Concert this morning. He was talking about 
um, kind of optimal food approaches, especially when looking to lose body fat. It's a case of, yes, food is going to be used to get someone into a calorie deficit, to elicit deficit, elicit fat loss and, and get these things happening. But it does far more than that. Yeah. It also, and that shouldn't be just someone's primary focus when they're looking to lose body fat. It's actually, are we having the body able to do that effectively? Have we got training still in a good place? Have we got someone feeling good across the day? Have we got someone sleeping well? All these other areas that are going to underpin fat loss at the same time. But also we have to be preserving as we go through. Otherwise, they're just going to burn themselves out in about three weeks. Yeah. And all, all the time, all it takes is just keeping an eye on that and managing that as we, as we start things. It's having things set in place. And this is why like, people listening to this might have heard us speaking about kind of like preparation phases, whether it's going into a prep or it's just when we start coaching someone, we try and bulletproof these, these areas and we get them nailed down. So then when we start to push things to extremes and we start to push things a little bit harder, the body's starting to fight back. It's like I, you can use the example I've used with people in the past where someone comes in and goes, oh, I'm looking to lose 10 kilos of body fat. I'm looking to do this as quickly as possible and as effectively as possible. And then you, you start to dig a little bit deeper into things. And this person is, is sleeping for four hours a night and they wake up three times. And every little bit of food they eat, they look like a six month pregnant woman and it's completely killing them. And you've been like, yeah, you do realize that by trying to push your body harder with this stuff, without managing what you're doing there, that's not going to get any better. And it works both ways. I know this question's about fat loss, but it also goes about food going up. Um, so it's been like, actually, this stuff needs managing a lot more. Mm. And so like, I describe our coaching as a uh, coaching plug. <coughs> um, I describe our coaching as being not just here's a program, here's a diet. It's this constantly evolving process of what can we look at away from the gym and what can we improve? Yeah. Because there, there are so many areas. Like We could probably list 20 now little things that people could be doing across the day. Like yeah. Little things they can start to bring in that most people don't do or they won't realize the importance of it. Because if you think like, have as an example, like going outside for an hour a day compared to someone who's just staying cooped up all the time. Like in like, on its own, kind of as a standard, does it sound particularly important? But I said, if you put 20 of those things together and lots of little things like that, then suddenly it's starting to really mount up for someone. Yeah, because, you know, those things, and yeah, it's, maybe it's an indirect effect in terms of mm. improving someone's you know, sense of well-being and how good they're feeling like that will directly, indirectly affect adherence. You know, if someone's feeling great, you know, and you're doing all these strategies where they're able to get good sleep and then your transmitter synthesis is on point. So their nervous system's actually working in a decent way. And, you know, you'll, you've got things like daylight exposure is going to help with circadian rhythm alignment. You know, all those things that people will be like, well, that's not going to relate. That's not going to cause fat loss. But no, it might not cause it, but it will make the whole process of someone trying to lose body fat a lot smoother, which is what you're trying to do. Yeah, so like people talk about adherence all the time, don't they? People say that the best diet is the one that you can adhere to. It doesn't mm. necessarily come from the diet. It can also come from the situation that person is in. Because it's the lifestyle, right? You, you know, if it, and that's where people go, oh, it's the lifestyle. You are cha- you've got to you know, elicit some sort of behavioral change, which means you've got to change how you're living. And if you can make that, that lifestyle very enjoyable and healthy and conducive to them feeling pretty good, it's probably going to benefit them in terms of whatever they're trying to achieve. Yeah. Because yeah. um, if someone feels like a sack of shit, they yeah. walk into a room and the housemate's having some pizza. Yeah. They're yeah. going to look at something like, oh, I need to feel better. Yeah. He's going to do that. Yeah. And yeah. suddenly oh, things are gone. It's not the diet setup, it's the other bits. Yeah. And it's, but it's the thing, like, there are definitely some strategies, like, you know, one of the things I'm big, I'm a big fan of is using like cardiovascular work. And there's, um, <laughs> coincidentally, we just, I just put another plug out today for the, uh, um, free ebook we did on that. Like, well, I did. So the, um, I did the home training one. There was a, the second section of that was all about cardio and we made that free. Um, and that was all, you know, about the 
benefits of cardio and how why people can use it. And I think what people don't realize, you know, and there, there's some interesting studies I reference in that. There's quite a lot of studies in that section alone um, where they've, you know, created a deficit one in, in you know, within a, a, a study and they've done, you know, one group, they've done the deficit by reducing food and the other, they've done the deficit by increasing their output via cardiovascular work. Um, and I think they use cycling, um, I believe they did. I have to refresh my memory on that. Um, and both groups ended up losing the same amount of, you know, of weight of, of, of body fat. But the, I think, I, I think they referred to it as just weight because they combined lean mass, but the group that, um, did the cardio work retained a lot more lean mass than the group that didn't. So, you know, it's like, okay, they're losing the same amount of body fat, but the group that, did a bit of extra activity, retain muscle. And a lot of the people with this goal of trying to lose body fat are obviously, you know, it's body composition related. So, you know, that's a, a tool you can use that's relatively protective. And we know that the most risky thing to do or the, mo the, the most, um, uh, the thing that's going to put like muscle mass in, in the most, in the most jeopardy is calorie restriction. So if you're able to create an energy deficit through output, you uh you potentially run the you run a better chance of retaining muscle mass because what you know is that's resistance training you're basically doing low load resistance training so you're giving you know you're using your tissues you're putting a force through your body it requires a mechanical output from muscle to oppose that overcome it to keep you moving which is going to be beneficial for keeping that stuff so as long as you don't overdo it and you manage you know, fatigue and manage the training volume. Cause if, you know, you start overdoing it and you accu accumulate too much ex excess fatigue and training volume goes too high, which you could still do. And people do experience that when they push cardio ridiculously high, that's going to bite you in the ass potentially. Um, so you've got to balance that, but as long as you do, and you know, you can't just go, Oh, cool. I'm just going to like keep my food ridiculously high and just do like two hours of cardio a day. Like you're probably going to run into that issue, but you could do, a proportion of that energy deficit coming from calorie restriction and the other part coming from increased output. And if you balance that well, you might be in a good position. Plus you then get all the beneficial um, adaptations from a cardiovascular perspective, which is covered in that ebook. So it's like, you know, all the stuff from a health perspective that we know accompanies increased aerobic fitness is awesome. Blood pressure, mm -hmm. resting heart rate, respiratory rate, triglyceride levels you know to people that are trying to manage blood work you know we you know exercise a lot of it comes from exercise in general but aerobic work is an easy way to get more of that stuff without adding too much training volume um so with, with that as well to go on that it's getting people moving away from cardio is just an expenditure tool or just yeah. an output tool yeah and you said there's gonna be a whole host of things that you want to be managing as you go through a dying phase anyway yeah amen those things based on health wise are getting better yeah Again, it's going to be in a better place. You get the benefit of that. And if someone's eating, say, 500 calories more because they've got 500 calories of calories being burnt from that cardio, mm. then the amount of nutrition they can bring in from that level of food is also going to be a lot higher mm. rather than just being like eating rabbit food because mm. they can't get anything in. <laughs> it actually allows them to be in a much better place. Yeah. Mm. And that's, yeah, that's why it's useful in the gaining phase as well because you get the, again, the benefit, the benefits from the, improved aerobic capacity and all that stuff whilst you're gaining weight. So you, you know, you're adding body mass, but you're potentially better able to actually move around and live. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's also like you said the other, um, the other week, you're doing sprints now, aren't you? And you say you just feel better from doing it. 
Well, I do. I've, I've been going for a run. Annoyingly, annoyingly, you know, this is the thing. Um, for those that weigh, you know, I'm what 110 kilos at the moment, gone back to running. Shin splints, definitely. <laughs> so, you know, that's something I've got to figure out. I might have to get on a bike. Um, that stuff. But again, that that the reason I implemented it was as a uh, to, to essentially feel fitter um, yeah. and, and improve all those other things, which is which is a nice thing to feel. Um, and again, mm. like, very important. And and you know, from a because another area that obviously comes into this bracket is sleep. And you know, there's a cool link between you know aerobic work and sleep um, or cardiovascular work. You know, um, where you know we know generally exercise will improve sleep quality as it is um and that seems to be due to raising body temperature and the kind of response we get from doing that which usually results in maybe a bit extra sleep and specific phases potentially or stages um but like when performed in the like evening or i say evening later stages of the day and possibly evening um depending on like your bedtime you know low intensity aerobic work is actually seemingly pretty good at you know quote unquote normalizing neurotransmitter levels so for people that kind of struggle with winding down um that can be quite a good way of of doing it of putting mm -hmm. some gentle you know 30 minutes towards the end of the day where you have like an opportunity to get a bit of a sweat or nothing too ridiculous um but like and, and there'll be people that notice that they go on they do some of that work and then they feel a bit like quite calm and chilled out after yeah. And it's the ability to breathe as well, which sounds super simple. And this is what I'm going to be going through uh, next Thursday, actually, on our monthly wrap-up. One thing I've been digging into, because I've got a rowing machine now, <laughs> which <laughs> takes up in a living room, which looks ridiculous. Um, but I found um, breathing-wise when I was sleeping, and also you, kind of, as you mentioned there, kind of links to cardiovascular work in the evening time, but just cardiovascular work in general. Yeah. Like when I feel less fit and kind of baseline fitness starts to go down, I'm lying in bread and I can't breathe through my nose. For, for whatever reason and as soon as that starts to improve that nasal breathing improves and then sleep quality starts to get better as well yeah it's that same thing that goes alongside it um and again it's something that can just be a feeling but there's probably i'm sure there's some reasoning behind it it's the ability to breathe through your nose ability to then get into deep sleep and just kind of yeah. overall feelings of calm and well-being it all yeah. links together yeah and it, i mean it's probably due to i mean a number of things i mean it could be increased nitric oxide production increased um capillarization we know that like you know doing that sort of work that, that demands quite a lot of you know oxygen and, and for a sustained period of time you will one of the adaptations we'll see is a a uh, well there's a thing that gets released generally when we exercise but it seems to be more so in those cases called vegf which is um vasoactive endothelial growth factor or something like that someone can fact check me on that but it's basically it promotes the growth of like new capillary beds so you basically get more blood to your tissue more oxygen and blood to your tissues and that can potentially happen elsewhere in the body as well so it could be just like your body's just better at utilizing oxygen which yeah. you know is what happens um and oxygen's quite useful and for anyone who's kind of 50 50 about trying it um i presented a few months back about nasal strips and little breathing strips which aren't the most aesthetic thing to wear into bed so if anyone's at the start of a relationship probably not the best option <laughs> but simply sleeping with those on and just seeing there's a difference or seeing a difference by putting one on and breathing because obviously you put the nasal strip across your nose opens out your nose a little more so you can breathe through it more comfortably yeah. if you find a difference that it's probably something that's worth implementing or worth thinking about mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's um so yeah that's those are all very interlinking and again 
you know, you get people that start wearing those nasal strips when they're doing exercise. And again, I think it's for a similar reason, just to kind of promote that breathing. But like in the context of exercise, when you're getting into that kind of sympathetic um, side of the nerve of the autonomic nervous system, and you, it requires a bit more um, sympathetic dominance, typically breath weight will increase, will increase to a point where you probably do need to mouth breathe a bit. Um, so, and that's the thing of like, if you're training and trying to maintain nasal breathing, there's a reason why under duress, we will start breathing through our mouth because that shit gets harder and you need to kind of, it comes out more forcefully and stuff like that. So you, yeah. you can't always do that, but like in you know low intensity states could be a good thing to try and do. Um, yeah. But, um, but no, I mean, there's loads we can go on there. And then in the context of sleep, we know that, um, yeah, there's definitely some correlation between sleep quality and quantity and the amount of fat um, that we're able to, well, fat loss efforts and, and muscle gain efforts, meaning that you would typically lose, seemingly lose less fat um, if you're sleep deprived um, and you will lose uh, lose muscle quick, more quickly as well. Um, so you, you might lose, there was a study where they essentially lost, say they had two groups and one was sleep deprived and one wasn't. And the group that was sleep deprived lost the same amount of weight, but much less fat, much more muscle. Um, and we know, you know, there's some stuff in terms of the geeky ins and outs of sleep there um, in terms of its effect on insulin sensitivity, testosterone production, you know, general um, systemic hormone release that will potentially impact anabolism in a negative way um, or, or promote catabolism. Um, so um, something we want to get in check. And then again, so, you know, simple strategies to implement in the fat loss phase come down to like sleep strategies, you know, and then again, you'd have to go down the basic route of, don't overload someone with the most complicated shit like stick to very basic stuff and stuff that will have a lot of um carryover in terms of all these other areas like daylight exposure you know like that's one of the most powerful things i spoke about it on larry doyle's podcast the other day and that was that was released this week um so if people want to check out that on the gen pop podcast i covered like i think my top three um sleep strategies in that um and we've done past podcasts on it but they're all um they may surprise some people because it isn't a case of like supplements and this and that it's just like lifestyle stuff that's easy to implement but you can get stuff like all these things don't needs to be complicated i think it's, it's a pre preconceived idea that adding all this stuff into someone's day is going to be massively overcomplicating the entire process and it's going to like take two hours to do all this stuff like people that joke about oh adding in a one hour morning routine and a two hour evening routine and spending three hours outside every single day. And I'm like, yeah, but I've got to work. So it doesn't have to be all those different things. And that's where we as coaches come in. We're like, actually, this is what you need to do. This is how you're going to do it. Just you yeah. go and do this and you're all sorts of So yeah. we're problem solvers, right? So we've just got to show them the way, but it is a case of showing them the door so that they can walk through <laughs> it. And there'll be times where they're not ready to walk through it. So mm. again, and that doesn't mean get pissed off if you're a coach. It means learn to understand that. <laughs> it's like your um, Jimmy your geezer you told me about who um was smoking. Oh and yeah. He, and he basically came to you and refused to um. I mean, you're telling us, but he refused to stop smoking. You showed some studies about how it's it's uh limiting hypertrophy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was yeah, and that was that was like an attempt to okay, let's see. He's obviously so he came to me and went um. 
yeah, I've I've smoked pretty much all my life, and no one, all my past coaches, no one's ever managed to get me to stop. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll I'll try and I'll try a different tactic. So he's I was like, he's always being communicated with on this front in a certain way. I'll just try a different one, and it was get some evidence because I know his goal was let's get Jack. So I was like, let's let's find a way to, to get you know, say this is going to stop you achieving your goal, and and it was literally like pull up loads. Of, you type in smoking and muscle gain, muscle protein synthesis, and smoking tends to blunt it. So I was like, here's, here's a few reads. And literally, he messaged me back like a few minutes later, be like, just stopped. I was like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. so it's all about that. But that's the thing, like that, you know, when people, you know, when you're showing someone the door and they don't choose to walk through it, sometimes it will be them. Sometimes it'll be just the way you've communicated with them in terms of showing them the door. So as a coach, you know, there may be ways you need to change that. And, yes. and some people yeah. might require a bit more, of the tough love some people require a bit less of that some people just take time some people just you know there's there's different psychologies right for a good reason and different people need different evidence some people need to feed it and that, and that largely then comes back to this thing of like when you're saying oh what strategies am i going to implement it comes down to the individual right so there'll be yeah. tools that will be more appropriate for certain individuals than others based purely on how they are as individuals right so there'll be people that love data and tracking and they'll want to do the little tiny things and they'll have no issue doing it. And there'll be the people that are a bit more tentative and have a family and work, you know, a big, you know, important job to balance whatever it is. And they can't, you know, do all that stuff. So you've got to find the the tools that fit in a bit more and then help them fit them into their week rather than just be like, do this. You're like, okay, let's look at your week. Let's look at your days. When can you fit this in? You know, it's all that stuff and getting them to see value in it. Um, um, so that was probably that question. I mean, that question is essentially stress management, stress management, sleep management, or sleep hygiene tactics. All the things that, but and then start from the the basic and titrate yeah. things up. Low hanging fruit, isn't it? What yeah. bits are really shit make them less shit, and you can get them better. And a bit of cardio can go a long way, um, potentially, but not necessarily just as a fat loss tool um yeah <laughs> everybody has to be caveated doesn't it <laughs> know, literally. that's the thing i mean that's <laughs> hopefully why people listen um because we won't just be like what tools should we use this 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 done because there'll be a lot of people that do that but oh, with my clients when it comes to fat loss i'll i'll, t- I'll stick them in a 40 percent deficit i'll give them this supplement this supplement i'll get them to do 30 minutes cardio four times a week and then, but then they'll come across something that doesn't work for, and they're like, yeah. "But that's my strategy." I'm like, strategy sucks. <laughs> um, the um, <laughs> the um, so here's a uh, well, a quick one we can cover. So Dan's asked, "How do you progress from phase one to four, for example, when starting up a new client's program?" And mm-hmm. what I might do just so that people can have a, a context as to what we what I'm actually going to talk about here is just give you a little insight into what he's actually referring to um because now we're on zoom I can actually share, share screen so the people that are listening to this on the podcast if you go onto the YouTube at some point you'll be able to see this um provided James has actually put it in here um, <laughs> so I'm literally about to share screen and just show the the lecture he's referring to, yeah, here we go. So, oh, I can't do that. Here we go. So now that annoying delay is over for the people listening, like, what are they doing? 
Um, so this is essentially what he's talking talking about. So James has run through some exercise selection considerations. So this is on the on the education portal in you know in this example, and that's what the example is. Um, did I read the question out? Hmm. I did read the question out. How do you yeah, progress? Progressing training from phase one to four. Yeah. So James basically split this out. If someone was trying to you know progress hip extension based movements, and you split them up into phases in terms of complexity of exercise and skill requirement and um you know and there's different he, he goes into a lot of detail here so we, we won't press play and just leave it but the um but the point is like so his question was how how would you um how would you progress across these phases and i mean the biggest thing to consider is um so with, with respect to a new client it comes down to the skill level of the new client but the most important thing to consider is that is just an example, right? And the, the, there's nothing magic about four phases. It could be 10 phases. It could be two phases. It, you know, it's, those are, it's just a, lot, a way that James came up with a logical way of progressing through movements that will have some sort of relationship to one another in terms of the, the musculature that they're, they're aiming to stimulate and grow. Um, but the, um, so, so in that context, you're going to get clients that don't need to even you know there'll be people that just want to train to look a bit better they might not have goals relating to the need to get them to doing complex movements for the lower body and hip extension scenario so they might be able to do some sort of a phase one phase two thing where there's still an element of progressing them but they're not really ever going into complex exercises and their goals just don't require that um so it comes down largely to the client so when this guy's asked for setting up a new client you've always got to start what is that client's goal um, and then what's appropriate for them in terms of for those that have done RTS, essentially we, we'd be asking what do they have, what do they own, what do they tolerate, um, you know, in terms of, and then, yeah, so the five questions, who are we dealing with, what's the goal, what do they have, what do they own, what do they tolerate? Um, so, and then, you know, what what are the things we're considering there, essentially like their skill level versus the skill level, the skill requirement of the exercise, do they have any injuries, what's their confidence levels like in terms of their ownership levels what how are they built you know from an anatomical perspective what's their their preference as an individual um is a big one um and um you know so and i mean there's tons more there but what we're dealing with is you know this person has a particular goal and in this scenario that james came up with it was this person wants to be able to do an rdl or they've got a goal that requires them or it would benefit from them being able to do an RDL. Um, so, you know, here's a way to progress them from being potentially a complete beginner to that point in terms of understanding the movements, you know, getting them to perform some movements at the beginning that require slightly less juggle. They're in a more supported, you know, supported scenario or the setup in terms of, I mean, what were the examples James put in that phase one? We had... Yeah, a 45 to 60 degree hip extension as a static hold, a cobra or prone cobra, for those that know that that terminology, where you're essentially lying on the floor and training hip extension, but being able to kind of maintain the position of the of the pelvis via like strong hip extension contraction. You know, that can be quite useful for some people in terms of learning that coordination. And then like a single leg, 45 degree leg press, those are all very, you know supported restrained constrained movements you know there's not a lot of motion that's happening there depending on how you do it 
Um, obviously a single leg 45 degree leg press there's many different ways you can do that but what we're essentially teaching in that phase one is just a level of muscular control um and can they demonstrate that before we start progressing them to a little more complicated stuff in this instance james went for a you know a 45 or a 60 you know 45 to 60 degree of extension so we might be changing the angle of that thing and working through a short range of motion and then moving on to a leg press with a four bar linkage system, which will make it a bit more of a challenge for the hip extensors as opposed to their, um, their knee extensors because there's less of a friction component. So there's all these things that go into how we progress on, which is largely what James is getting at. And that for people like Dan, who's, who Dan mentioned he was a, he was new to the industry and that he'd just come across this stuff and he was like, Oh, wow. You know, and that's, that's something, you know, when, you know, when I did RTS, when you did RTS for the first time, you come away going shit, like I need to do everything perfectly like this. And I need to make sure, you know, I'm following this exact protocol, but it's never, you know, there's no protocol given in that. And we're not giving a protocol here either. We're just giving the example of the thought process of how you could progress someone in terms of breaking the complexities of those stimuli down um, into into a logical order to just help someone get to that specific place, um, which yeah. is a, a very, I hope, I mean, hopefully that was kind of a, I said that would be a quick answer. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was, um, no, it's never going to be a complete answer really as well. Yeah. It, it kind of is, but it's, because like you said, it's, it's principles rather than protocols. Yeah. It's, as you said, all those things you mentioned there, the things you have to consider and you have to bear in mind, you could never just be like, oh, everyone every four weeks has to change the program. Mm. Because unless you're doing that to keep them interested, You've got so many things that you need to look at for that person. You've got progression is going to take different forms to different people. People are going to start from different points. People are going to develop at different points. Yeah. So looking at that and being like, right, is this going to be beneficial at this time for this person? If it's sweet, this is the way I'm going to go down. If it's not, I'm going to hold things a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, for those that want a um, to be slightly intimidated, <laughs> you say, no, this is um, from my presentation. I'll put that flowchart up. <laughs> Because this is where this is the stuff that goes is behind the stuff James we just showed about James. So this is like when we're selecting an actual specific exercise. This is like a, an application kind of came up with. So the and again for those listening, you you probably have to go onto the YouTube quickly to to have a look at this. But these are core consideration and strategic considerations and how they interlink. And if you look at it like this, it will confuse the shit out of you. Obviously, take you through it, and we go through examples as well. Um, where we can apply this kind of thought process but that's that's the approach you'd basically have to take so you're kind of moving away from oh here's a program with this this you know i'm assuming this outcome is going to happen from doing this program you know that isn't that isn't always the case and if we can approach things in more of a methodical way with the principle you know the thought process essentially of i understand exercise and understand anatomy and understand forces and I can kind of build something that's relevant for the individual in front of me, their skill level, how they're built, their goals, all this stuff, and hopefully get them to where they need to be. And those, however many phases that ends up being, however long it takes, it will vary. For some people, it could be four phases across eight weeks, and some people it might be four phases across four years. You know, it's, um, you know, the, and for some people, it might be 10 phases across. 16 weeks you know depending on how quickly you do stuff um or maybe one phase that just slightly changes over the course of two years and nothing you know the actual underlying formula or the underlying kind of ingredients stay relatively similar it's just maybe you're changing stuff to do with the tempo and the exercise order and this and that but 
there's loads of stuff that goes into it and that's why it's quite fun as a coach as well because again it moves you away from the kind of black and white thought process of oh i've got another client i need to recycle this same approach you're kind of sitting down and putting a lot of thought into the individual and what they're actually specifically trying to achieve and what's relevant to them and it can you come up with something that's that you can actually say is personalized which is <laughs> the whole point. if you want to call yourself a personal trainer um that's kind of an approach you need to take um, yeah. And this is without even going into the psychology side as well. Yeah. We won't dive into that to be here all day, but yeah. that's kind of the physical, actual things on paper. It's also, if you keep changing up someone's program potentially every two weeks, you have one person that's like, sweet, it's the best thing ever. It's yeah. novel, it's, it's interesting. You have someone else and it just pisses them off because it's changing yeah. too much. But that side of things you've got to bear in mind too. Um, and again, it's, this is the same thing what we said before with um, kind of recovery strategies and lifestyle stuff. Again, it could be seen as overcomplicated, mm. but it's actually... It's kind of our job to take over complicated things and apply them to people. Yeah. Or it is our job, in fact, to do that. Yeah. Like, right, these are all the different things this person needs. My service dictates I need to look at all these things. And then you spit out the outcome for the person. Yeah. Amen. Boom. So I hope that answers that one, Dan, or helps give you a bit more clarification. So it's not necessarily an answer, but it's more like a, a way to think about that a bit more. Um, so this is actually your client, Shannon, I believe. So she has an online client starting only has two five kilo dumbbells and some glute bands. She's not keen on spending more on further weights, etc., which is understandable. She has some weight training experience, so she's not a complete newbie and not exactly a major fat loss client. After a few weeks of adding things in like tempo, more reps and form is on point, how would you go about ensuring that she's still able to progress each week, providing gyms are still closed? Would it be a case of possibly explaining in a few weeks that she may need to invest in some extra bands and weights, or would you slightly change up her programming to progress with other exercises? Hmm. We've well, got a few routes you can go down here. I think the two questions she's asked, could you get her to get more weights and bands, potentially? If she's willing to do that, then there's one of the simplest progression tools there, which you can just progressively overload things to basically a higher ceiling yeah. but then if someone this has one of, been one of the biggest problems over the last year isn't it it's because we've been programming people long term in lockdown rather than just giving them short exciting programs to actually allowing things to be progressed um would you start to change programs for other exercises in terms of other exercises to use it's also going to be dictated by how many exercises she's capable of doing and how many exercises you think she's safe doing um so it could be worth in a situation like that especially if someone is quite new to coaching is, is working out the list of exercises that you can go through and how many exercises you have available and then starting to fit that in. I and mean, that's only quite a small amount to so say, if someone is quite limited when you see them doing things in terms of their movement patterns, in terms of what they're capable of doing, then you probably aren't gonna be able to vary it that much. And it's probably not gonna be worth going, oh, I'm gonna change these exercises up all the time if you're putting her into a dangerous situation or even just an exercise that she's not gonna do very well with. And, and, and then you kind of have to go, right, what other things can I look into? Um, and this is where Cal did a really cool video on this. Um, I think in the first lockdown, in terms of programming things on paper and actually allowing for progression longer term, if you're limited with weights, you have better with bands and things. Um, and rather than going for the standard, say like uh, one set of six to 10, one set of 12 to 15, and just continue progressing things up like you can do in the gym, is actually going down a route of uh, timing things. So you have say 45 seconds, you set baseline volume. And I've done this with a couple of people as well. You have that time frame that you work towards. Maybe you set that for two, three, four weeks and you emphasize all the internal things and different things someone can do to make that 45 seconds more difficult themselves without changing weight, without changing resistance and changing other things. Um, and then once they've begun to max it out, then you can start to expand the time frame there. 
So you can kind of get the best of both worlds. We can be like, right, we're able to make this exercise or this movement or this program as difficult as we physically can with what we have available. But then we're also leaving ourselves a little bit of wiggle room to be able to move things on from there. It's like, say, if someone has a, like a split squat is quite a good example. Like say someone's got split squats, they've got like Shan herself, like she's jacked to be fair to her. Like if she's listening to this, she'll like, she'll like hearing that as well. Um, like say someone's got um, two 10 kilo dumbbells for a split squat. When normally in the gym, they'd be using 20s, 25s, 30s or something like that. You can start them off and be like, right, these are all the things I want you to think about within this exercise. You can use like frictional forces to your advantage. You can use tempo to your advantage. You can use isometric holds and things like that. Make the exercise itself as hard as possible. Set that for a certain time frame. Build up those things as much as you can at that time frame with those 10 kilo weights. And then you can build things up from there. Like I think she had this herself. Well, she had exactly that. She had two sets of 45 seconds. We dug into things every single week and we're like, right, we're going to absolutely nail you in this 45 seconds. And your role is to make that to the point where you can't stand up by the end. And then you progress within that. You get essentially better at doing that over a few weeks. Mm. And then you add a little bit of time and it happens again. Mm. And it allows the, the interest to be there a little bit further. Intensity to be there a little bit more so it's not just repetitive and boring. Mm. But it also leaves you somewhere you can actually go with it. It does get horrendous when you do that. Like I, I do that. I take that approach with um, stuff from my own training. Admittedly, I've got a fair amount of kit here, but I still use isometrics and stuff with that same approach. So, you know, I'd say I'm going to do an isometric that's timed between 60 seconds and 90 seconds. And I'm going to aim to fail, you know, around the 60 second mark. Then I'll spend a couple of weeks trying to get close to the 90 second mark. And then once I get there, I'll then up the weight. Um, you know, and, and you know, it's those. So that could be stuff she can. If she's not using isometrics, she could add in some, in you know, superset style stuff there. So if she's done some, you know, because that's the thing of you know, if you're gonna try and set up leg extension challenges with a band, you know, it might not be a very complete profile from start to finish, but you could just get her to hold the shortened position and just tank her quads there. You know, so so. And again, just like Alex said, using that time um, variable as the main uh, as the main focus, um, and because if you know, essentially, it's what we've got to think of, right? Usually, we've got load is a, is a variable, but if load is more of a constant, um, how can we how can we subject the tissue to more stress? Change the time variable, um, and and we can do that even when we got load. You know, even when we've got the ability to progress load as well, it's probably something that people don't do enough. They probably, I'll just put the load up, and you're like, well. Let's just think about that for a sec, especially when you get people asking themselves, you know, they get to that point where they go to put the load up maybe and the execution's changed and, you know, reduced in terms of, or decreased in terms of its quality. So you're kind of like, you know, is that really the, was that a viable progression? Like you got 12 reps this time and you got 10 last time, but those last two reps were sloppy as shit. That's not, you know, the, the tension that was experienced by the tissue is probably the same in terms of the time maybe because the last two involved a lot of extra extraneous movement. So you could, you should consider the time component more in terms of like when you've done a set and you're like, no, that was a genuine progression because I kind of maintain my execution. I know the tissue actually experienced more of a stimulus in terms of both tension and time. Mm. Boom. There we go. Um, so as long as you're exploring both those, but yeah, I mean, I would say like Alex said, if she has the, if she's in the position where she's like, oh, I will, yes, I can buy some more bands and, and waist, like, and then you can. Um, but I mean, and then, yeah, and then the other thing is, you know, 
could you have like a a shift in her focus at the moment in terms of mm. does she have the ability perform, to perform any kind of aerobic work because you could just say sweet we're gonna do what we can on the like we'll keep doing what we're doing on the training front and then like, maybe if she's open to it, you say why don't we add in the thing of let's just try and work on aerobic fitness and you could get stuck into some of that stuff get her to start going for going for bike rides runs whatever it is you know if she's got the time if she's you know furloughed and not working then it's like time in the day to add another stimulus in that will benefit her in all the other ways we mentioned and still be a a uh, training stimulus for some of her tissues so it's Hmm. that option as well overall coaching wise and there are probably a few people worried after a year of this thinking oh i can't do this with this person's training like i'm going to lose clients which is fair enough but then it also it can pay in this situation to focus on a few other things as well you can kind of yes training is a variable that might not be 100 percent but if you're setting things people other things they can do across the week Hmm. you can still set people like we we do goal setting people each week like right i want to focus on these different things at least they'll have purpose that week for providing value yeah rather than being like i can't train I'm going to lose my coach. I don't need you in this situation. Yeah. You're off the rails. Yeah. The, um, it could be a good thing, cool thing as well. Like, you know, like getting someone to go and do like fucking hill sprints or something, <laughs> you know, they might go, what? But they might really enjoy doing the prowler or something like that in the gym. You're like, it's pretty much the same. It's like purely concentric contraction. You're just trying to move your body up a slope as opposed to push a mass along the flat ground. You know, you get them to do that sort of thing. You're like, it's actually a decent quad stimulus. You know, and hip extension <laughs> stimulus. So it's like there's a you're putting forces through those tissues. It will do it enough within, you know, to get them to push hard enough. That will be a pretty severe mechanical and metabolic um, stimulus. Yeah. When, you say, when you say enjoy the prowler, mate, the amount of people I've seen vomit on that thing. No, <laughs> enjoy, I use loosely, but yeah. the relative term. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but you know, if people kind of are like, oh yeah, I, I enjoyed the feeling of the prowler trashing me, but well, there's another option. <laughs> yeah. Push your family around the room. Yeah, yeah. Push it, get, get the get the car and just push it down the road, provided they're on a flat road. And, <laughs> <laughs> it's not uphill yeah. that might not end too well <laughs> yeah educational purposes only people <laughs> um but no, so i mean that that one's probably answered that in terms of um I mean, anything else you want to add on that i don't think so i think it's just the main thing is kind of the main overall thing what we said there is just think outside the box a little bit more yeah, I see yeah. that's right it could be interesting actually when we get back to the situation where gyms are back open again because people have had this focus now, a lot of people have actually, I'm going to make this weight as difficult as possible rather than a reliance on that weight to make an exercise difficult. You then suddenly put the two of them together to bury yourself on something anyway with no load and then you add unlimited load to it. Yeah. Sweet. It's a dream place to be. Amen. Um, Let's do one more. Um. (laughs) so what's the least enjoyable aspect or task (laughs) which you do in terms of your job studying or training um that's a that's a tough question to answer um i mean (laughs) the uh (laughs) to be fair like i do there's been moments like parts because my job's changed drastically in terms of like it was predominantly coaching then it was coaching and lecturing and seminars and now it's coaching in managing the site and doing educational content there 
yeah so it's the admin side which the admin stuff does bore me like to be fair like doing the um but mainly it's the finances stuff like that stuff i'm like oh um but the but it has i've like learned so much from it that i'm not i don't resent it as much anymore so i'm like there's a period where it's just getting used to it and figuring like learning the ropes i was like oh my god this is a pain but the um no it's it's all i mean thankfully i enjoy what i do so that's cool. <laughs> Rather be like all of it. See, mine's mine's different because, like you said, we're in different situations. Um, I've always found, up until recently, the education side of things the hardest. Yeah, I'd rather be doing something. I'm not very good at kind of sitting down and reading things and watching things, and that was always my kind of like downfall with education stuff. Yeah. I'd go down and be like, right, I'm going to read this book, or I'm going to sit down, I'm going to watch this lecture. And 10 minutes in, I'd be like, oh, I need to do something else. I need to move around. I need to yeah. get something else on here. Um, so I've changed how I learn things now. Yeah. I've gone from what I call like the sponge approach, which is absorbing things. Like I'll go for a walk and I listen to a podcast and there won't be the pressure on it to be like, oh, I need to learn this for this next half hour. But I'll listen to things and I'll take in as much information as possible. And it'll get to say every week, maybe one day a week or every other week, and I'll start to write things down. Like, right, what have I actually picked up this week from doing this? Yeah. Like, right, what I'm going out with the intention to learn everything. Mm. And that seemed to work a little bit better. Um, so, because I think it's probably quite a common thing for PTs as well. Like, mm-hmm. Especially guys who are on the gym floor for so many hours a week. Like, you're an active job. You want to, you're a doer. You're not necessarily a kind of a listener. Mm. Um, so that's what I've been doing more recently, especially in lockdown as well. Mm. Like it's kind of using that time and educate myself in a slightly different way, kind of less traditional way, but still doing it. Not just being like, oh, this is hard. I'm going to completely ignore it and negate it. Just mm. doing things slightly more difficult because training will never be a problem. Coach people will never be a problem. They're, for me, they're the most fun. But the education stuff for me at the moment is probably the most important to allow those two to continue to progress. Mm. Well, that's the thing. That's how I'll do it. Like, listen to this. There you go. I was going to say, like, like people listening to this, like this is obviously a podcast and a video. Some people just listening to it and kind of hearing what we're speaking about without necessarily the visual could be quite a good thing. And they'll pick up things from that. Yeah. The, um, I mean, so it brings me back to the point of, you know, if you've got a stressor, the way to deal with it isn't to like run away from it. It's to um, either remove it and that doesn't mean running away from it, it's literally removing it as a stress um, or changing your relationship with it, changing your perspective of it. And that is basically, you know, there's certain things definitely that I probably have done. And there, there were parts of the admin side where I was like, no, I'm going to delegate that because I don't want to fucking do it. So I removed that stress. Um, but then there's other parts where I'm like, no, I just need to figure this out. And it just resulted in me changing my relationship with it. And I'm like, Oh, it's no longer a stress. Um, and, you know, that's um, basically what you did there. There's the education side, there was mm-hmm. elements we go, oh, you know, and now it's like, no, I'll just figure out a way to make that less stressful. And then you did. Yeah. And that's another lesson for people. So if you find yourself like procrastinating or beating around the bush on things you don't enjoy doing, figure out what it is that you're not enjoying about it. And can you remove it or change your perspective of it? And if you can do those things, you've got less stress. You're winning. Exactly. Yeah. Amen. Um, so we had one more question, which was basically um, determining rate of gain during a gaining phase. And can you essentially modify where one can store fat? 
um, you know, you know is, is it possible to have we found any particular strategies? Um, rates of gain depends on the individual, depends on like what, you know, are they natural, enhanced, are they, but generally it depends on the individual, like, you know, cow, me and cow, completely different. Cow stores most, pretty much all his body fat on his lower body, I believe, um, pretty much, yeah. And so he'll start, he'll take pictures in an off season, he's like, oh, he's still got abs. But if he was to go through a prep, it would take him quite a while to get all the chunk off his lower body. I'm the opposite where my legs are like striated year round. <laughs> um, and it's like, they're like separation there, but I store it all around my midsection lower back. So, you know, I'd take a picture in off season or whatever. And they'd be like, no, you don't look quite as good. But my extremities, for instance, they very lean. So mm. like in the t-shirts, all right. I've tried to change that, you know, numerous times just doesn't work and that, that will kind of work against you with age and stuff like that especially and under conditions of stress you know we know like um heavy um heavy release or uh, higher levels of cortisol like glucocorticoids and things like that mm-hmm. tend to be correlated with more central adiposity and there do seem to be mechanisms that they can directly increase that so um which is, I think, where like alcohol has been shown to increase in its fire me- similar mechanisms to do with those guys. So, it's, um, you know, there's things that can maybe make it come on quicker in certain areas, but I think it will come down to like if you're an individual who tends to store fat in a certain area, that's not really going to change, sadly. And rate of gain largely de- depends on the individual again and their training experience, training age, um, natural enhanced, all that stuff. Um, and it comes down to like as a coach, you just got to modify that you do come across the odd people where you're like oh this is going up really quite quick like i've got a client at the moment he's a natty over in ireland carl and he's just like gaining very quickly for a natural but every week it's like his mm-hmm. pictures look sick and you know his measurements are all going up in the right places and it's like maybe we just stumbled across the formula for carl um which yeah. is ultimately what you're trying to do like all this coaching thing you're just trying to stumble you're trying to get towards the formula we're like this is working like and then you're like do i need to change anything maybe you tweak the odd thing but ultimately you're like i think we're mm-hmm. good i think we're good yeah. the dream and again in phase of the client is to be in a situation where you're like how's the week been and then we're like yeah great that's sweet i'll see you next yeah. week yeah. <laughs> that's what it is yeah. yeah that does work because that's i've definitely had and people probably relate where you get clients into a position and you know, even like you, you've nailed all the other areas like sleep and everything like that. And it literally is to the point and like I'll turn around or sometimes they'll turn around and be like, yeah, I don't think I need to coach anymore. And they're like, yeah, I don't think you do, mate. Like, you know, <laughs> you know it's like, because it, I always feel quite bad as a coach if I check in with someone and I'm like, I'm not really doing anything here, you know. It's, and there'll be people that relate to that. And sometimes that's just because you've done a pretty good job up until that point and mm. sweet, like they're, they're, they're where they need to be and, if they and quite a lot of the time they'll come back when their goals change, but for that particular goal, it's like done your job, yeah. cool. Have a nice type thing. Yeah. See you later. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but, but yeah, you'll get that, and that that is the thing that's like I said. Perfect gaining phase would literally be like, but even again, like to a degree, the perfect dieting phase would literally be like, yeah, yeah we, we've got it all balanced. Everything's dropping. We're on track in terms of whether there's a deadline or not. You're just like everything's moving, mm. and. Yeah. and and then you kind of you are. I think there's more. There tends to be more to manage in the dieting phase in terms of 
all the other stuff. I personally, there's always still loads to manage my training from. You can always do that stuff. But um, but again, you'll get to points there where you're like, training's perfect, recoverability's on point. Mm. What should I necessarily need to do? Um, yeah. yeah. It looks at what you, I mean, it needs to, you need to look at what you perceive as success in the gaining phase as well. Amen. It's not just going to be a case of getting heavier for most people. You're going to accept the fact that you need to get heavier, but if you go, oh, to get bigger, I need to be X amount of kilos or X amount of pounds. I'm going to get those quickest possible possible it's probably the worst approach for most people yeah it's like actually what am i going to focus on what is improving each week sweet if that's in place that's the priority mm. body comfort goes along with it yeah don't get fat shit yeah but we do know like even mm. in advanced and enhanced individuals you know but advanced like there's some yeah we know like generally the the um rate of of gain will slow so we know that but the even in enhanced people you don't want it to be that quick um, unless, you know, and, you know, when they're putting in things that massively affect their, you know, essentially intra extracellular water levels mm. and you see people like, oh, I'll just put on fucking 10 pounds in a week. You're like, well, okay. You also added in all these things that will probably mean that 80% of that is water. So you see these things of people, you know, driving their body weight up really quickly when they're enhanced. That isn't indicative that they just gain like that much muscle. You've got to consider what is the effect of that compound that they've just added in. It's had inside them. So again, you know, like I say, even at those advanced levels, the rate of gain is going to be relatively slow. Um, so that's, the, I mean, the thing. How do you determine the rate of gain? You can't determine it exactly, but nine ninety nine point nine 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 times out of a hundred, it's going to be pretty damn slow. Um, yeah. I think the closest you can get is you can normally have an idea of roughly how much weight you can put on someone, yeah. especially natural until they get too fat. You kind of have like a window of, oh, we have this window of body weight. Yeah. And potentially at that ceiling is when we need to pull things back. Yeah. But you never chase it down. You never go after that aggressively. You yeah. just kind of have yourself reaching that point of however long it takes. Yeah. And, and it, it's important as well to, to, you know, take, you know, when people go through a diet and they'll take, uh, you know, they'll have a diet break. It's mm. quite important to have a gaining break, you know. It's the thing, like, so it's, it's probably as stressful, if not slightly more, to push your body weight up. Um, when you consider the effect it has on like cardio metabolic health and things like that, and it's you know, and digestive health, and you're adding loads of stuff. So, you know, you're getting someone to a certain weight and they, you know, everything looks in check, or maybe hold them there for a month or something and just mm. like give their digestion a bit of a break, bring food down. And then go again and you take that approach of, you know, like people take an approach with dieting where they might go four weeks hard and one week not, you know, might go four weeks hard and not one week not win a gaining phase. So you can mm -hmm. do that stuff. I've done that with people. It works. It's quite nice for them to experience as well. Um, and uh, it helps. It can often help with appetite because if you in that week at maintenance, you drop food a bit and you increase their output a bit, it's going to spare their appetite a bit more and could help you push them push them further um loads of stuff you can do pretty much takeaway from this is it depends like i'll take away this entire podcast is, yeah the takeaway from this entire podcast is like there's just so many damn tools that we can play with but you just gotta know about them we'll have to change it so it's not a q a it's a question and kind of answer <laughs> that's what it is exactly that um sweet well that was cool um i hope it was useful people um i think we said it was gonna be like 45 minutes 
about an hour and twenty. Um, <laughs> but um, no, that was uh, that was cool. I enjoyed that. Um, and thank you for joining us, Al. You're the Mate, man. Pleasure, pleasure to be on. And um, we will get Al back on, and I'm sure some of the other boys as well, pretty soon. Um, but thank you for listening, people. We will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Muscle Mentors podcast. Just a quick shout out to our sponsors who support the channel and everything we do in the realms of education and coaching within the industry. Firstly, our original sponsor, Supplement Needs. They've been with us from the start. If you're seeking the highest quality supplements on the market, particularly organ support and health orientated products, you can use code Muscle Mentors at checkout for 10% off your order. Precision Prep, our recently introduced food preparation partner, delivering the finest quality meal prep across the UK, featuring their new Pro Prep range, a concept closely developed with us to solve an issue we see day-to-day with time limitations and nutritional compromise. If you're seeking the highest quality nutrition delivered to your door for the best price, look no further. Use code MUSCLEMENTALS at checkout for 15% off your first order and 10% thereafter. And lastly, RAR Optics, the highest grade blue blue light blocking glasses on the market with the slickest style. In a world filled with artificial light, particularly those with high screen time, I can certainly say I'm one of them. These can be a real game changer for sleep quality and recovery, something we use personally on a day-to-day basis. Grab yourself a pair by using code MUSCLEMENTALS at checkout for money off all orders. Once again, thank you for your continued support. Until next time.